So this morning, we are going to be continuing on with a very short series. It's a two-week series. Who was here last week? Okay, so it's called One Another. Um, and basically, it's talking about community and building community within our church and how we live that out. And, um, and so last week, if you recall, Mark talked about circles. You remember circles? Okay. So over this past week, have you figured out who your circles are? Okay, if not, listen to the podcast for that. Um, so what we're going to do today, though, is we're going to go like a little step deeper or more focused on what qualities should we find within our circles, okay? So we know we have people, and we can surround ourselves with people, but there's some qualities and things that should happen within those circles to make it healthy, and for it to be um, transformational for us and for the people in our circles. So before we start, just a quick review. Who's familiar with the triangle of change that we cover in our Wednesday night class? And we've talked about it several times throughout the years. So up on the screen, you'll see this is the triangle of change if you, don't, if you aren't familiar with it. So the, the principle is this, transformation happens slowly over time as we do a few things. First, we uh, we look at our narratives and try to adopt the narratives of Jesus. Because how many of you know, in our humanity and in our upbringing, sometimes we, we adopt wrong narratives that aren't truth. And so as we get older and life happens, Jesus begins to transform us and our narratives line up more with his. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing down in the lower, well, my left, yeah, corner, is in engaging in soul training exercises, okay? So those are things like coming to church, quiet time with Jesus, silence. Um, there's a plethora of spiritual exercises you can do. But then the lower right corner is participating in community. So a lot of times what happens is people come to Christ and so say, you know, you're not me. I, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was seven, so pretty much everybody I knew was from church. And I went to Christian school. So if it wasn't from church, it was from Christian school. So, um, But if you come to Christ when you're older, like my husband did, all of your friends do not have Christ narratives. They don't live in Christ community. They don't, they, you know, there's a lot that don't line up with Christianity. So we participate, and we choose to participate then in Christian community once we come to Christ, okay? And in the center, you're going to see the Holy Spirit, which means all of these things are done with the direction and empowering of the Holy Spirit, okay? So what we're talking about today is something that happens as we evaluate kind of this triangle of change and say, okay, Lord, what are you wanting to do with us? So we're going to evaluate our narrative for the need of community today and evaluate how engaged we are in our circle or community, and to ask ourselves, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us in these areas? So a few months ago, I was reading through, you know, I kind of tried to read through the Bible um, in the year, but I got done in the like three quarters of the way through the year, so I kind of restarted. And so I was reading Exodus 18, and some things really stood out to me um, from this scripture on community. So when we were talking about this um, topic, I'm like, hey, I think I have some notes back on, on this. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Um, 
So with community, we know we all have community, family, friends, coworkers, right? But I want you right now to just take a look around you. Just take a look around the sanctuary this morning. This is part of your community of believers, okay? So all of us in here make up, this is our community this morning, right? So we have spiritual brothers and sisters that make up our community. And within community, there's a saying, um, and it's this, be friends with many, close with a few, and have issues with none. So as you look around you today, you might see, like I'm looking at the Luwaks right here, so Amy's parents are sitting next to her. So you might look around and say, so I have close with a few right here. She has, Amy has her husband, her parents, and her kids. You know, so you have, you, you might have that. Um, you should be able to look with that you, you're friends with many. So when you look around this room, I have a lot of friends that I talk to. Maybe we are in Bible studies together or other activities together. Um, but also, when we look around, hopefully there's issues with none. That you can look around the sanctuary and say, you know what, I can gladly go up and talk with, pray with, interact with anybody in this room without hesitation. Okay? So in community, we know that community is not always um, easy, right? And we see in Scripture, obviously our goal is to be like Jesus. So in Scripture, we see that Jesus had, a, he was friends with many. We always see him interacting with multitudes, praying with people, ministering to people. Okay? So that's the friends with many. But then he had, he was close with a few. He had the twelve. He had twelve people that were really his friends. He, he walked with them. He ate with them. He taught them. He gave them assignments and sent them out and said, you can do this. You know, those were his twelve. But then there's even a level deeper than that, that he had three. And that's James, John, and Peter. And with these three, we see, I, I went through scripture and I was trying to, to differentiate between the 12 and the three. And here's what we see. We see in scripture that Jesus went away with these three, Matthew 17. He allowed them to see him in all of his glory in Mark 9, um, up on the mountain, and they got to see him shining and like in all of his glory. And then in all of his suffering in Mark 14, when he's in the garden, these are the three he takes with them. And he's like, pray for me, help me. And then what happens? He comes back and they're sleeping. And he's like, can't you, can't you just pray? You know, but he, he allowed them in to see his suffering. So he was, he was much more up close and personal with them than he was with the 12. So if Jesus lived this out, shouldn't we? So that's the question for today. And here's our goal. The goal for today is to provide an opportunity for all of us to evaluate whether our circle or community involves more than just getting together and socializing and having a good time. Because that's fun, right? It's always good to have fun together. But we want to encourage each of us to live out Jesus' example and the examples of others in scriptures that we're going to look at today so that for us personally and for those in our circles, personal spiritual growth occurs. Okay? Because isn't God most glorified when we are who we should be in him and functioning where we should be? Okay, so before we, we're going to look at Exodus 18, but I'm just going to open with a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at the life of Moses, okay? 
So, Father, this morning, we thank you for your presence that's already here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your movement that's in all of our lives already. And, Father, I pray that you would open up our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us today. Lord, our goal is to glorify you, not just in these moments, but in our life and the way that we live things out. And so speak to us and give us those receptive hearts to receive all that you have for us today. In your name, amen. Okay, so let's look at Exodus 18. And leading up to this, I thought it was interesting, Josh referred to Exodus 14 today. I'm like, okay, the Lord has something out of Exodus for us today. And um, before we start the story, Moses has led the children of Israel out of out of. Israel, and he's leading them to the promised land, okay? And so in that, we know, like Josh said, they've encountered much difficulty and hardship. They've also seen, on the other hand, great miraculous things at the hand of God. So what just is happening before Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes is that they've won a battle with the Amalekites. And so that's where we're going to pick up. Jethro's like, I'm hearing all this stuff. I'm going to go see. Okay? So we're going to start in verse 7. And we're actually going to look at like 20 verses today, but I won't read them all at one time. Okay? So we'll just take it bit by bit. So starting in verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and about all the hardships they had met along the way, and how the Lord had saved them. So we're going to stop there for right now. The first thing that stood out to me in this section was that we need people that we can be vulnerable and transparent with. Okay? So it says here that Moses told his father-in-law about the hardships and the good things. Moses did not just relay the good stuff. He didn't say, wow, you should have just seen that water parted. We went through and it was awesome. Nope. He relayed the complaining, (laughs) you know, the, the questioning and all of those things. And so here Moses leads by example in showing that we too need to be vulnerable and transparent. You know, it's okay for people, for you to share the good and the bad. It's okay for you to not have everything together all the time. Because the truth is, we don't have it together all the time, right? Okay? And this is really hard for us in in our humanity. But the fact is, we're not going to grow in community with each other if we never open up the door with each other. And if we never share beyond a superficial or surface life. We're not going to grow because part of growing is us sharing and somebody sharing back. And that's why it's so important that in our community we have other brothers and sisters in Christ. Because then the counsel that's given back is from God's heart and not just, it sounds like a good idea. Because we, I, I want what God wants, right? And so, you know, for me personally, this area of vulnerability and transparency has been really hard for me because I want, when people come to me, I want them to walk away feeling like they've been heard, 
like they've been blessed, like they're the most important thing, and um, like they matter. So I don't want them to walk away saying, oh, poor Suzanne. Like, uh, you know, so for me to, to sometimes say the, you know, share the same thing that Moses did, the hard, the confusing, the unforeseen, um, is hard for me. But it's a false narrative to believe that God wants us to live without sharing that. Because God knows everything about us. And he already knows. And he's the one who created community. And so this, this area of um, vulnerability and transparency is something he created. He created the need for relationship and companionship and honest conversations. Um, and the, the books, the series that we teach in our class on Wednesday night by James Bryan Smith says this about spiritual formation. A key, and I put in my own thing, to spiritual formation is to have someone standing with us who will hear the state of our soul, someone who will push us to be who we want to be, and will be there in the end to ask, how are you doing? That is part of spiritual formation and spiritual growth. And so part of growth in Christ-likeness is being aware of the walls that we've built and the ways that we're saying, I will not be transparent and I will not be vulnerable. Because if you're like me, you actually say it in your head to yourself. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. And it's a battle. Okay, tell me I'm not the only one. (laughs) Okay, you know, but this is something the Lord has had to teach me. That he created us for community. So, we need to be people who, we need people who we can be vulnerable and transparent with. So the next thing that stands out, I want to start in verse 9. It says this, <clears throat> Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that he, I'm sorry, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, Moses' father-in-law, in the presence of God. In this section, the thing that we need is we need people who rejoice in life victories with us. Because we see Jethro praising the Lord with Moses. He goes, he offers the sacrifice, which was the custom of that day, and they all ate together in the presence of God. They celebrated the goodness of God to not just Moses, but to the children of Israel. And I love this picture because Moses shared the hardships, but Jethro first focused on the victories. And this is the mark of a true friend. That as you talk, they can point out the victories with you. And they can help you focus on the victories. Because sometimes the hard supersedes the victories. Right? The hard seems like the mountain. And the victories are the things that get lost. But a true friend can come in and say, you know what? I hear the hardships, but we're going to rejoice. 
because this is what God is doing. And this sharing the victories should be part of our everyday community. You know, one of the victories today I'm celebrating. I was standing back there today and I didn't have it as part of my notes. But do you realize that this morning, like I didn't need to be up here at all. I I wasn't going to be, but we decided we should have a, a female voice singing too. But four out of the seven people that were up here this morning were teenagers in this church. They're now leading worship. They led worship for our, our worship and prayer night in January. They're going to be doing it again at our prayer, prayer and um, worship service February 9th. This is a victory. Okay? We should be celebrating this. So as a community, we can be celebrating this. It's the same type of thing that we need to be celebrating on a more intimate level with our friends. Because sometimes we, we can't see it. We can't see how the Lord has provided for our circumstances or, or brought people to minister to us. We need to celebrate, you know, victories over addiction and depression and illness and pain and um, victories over our children coming to Christ and relationships restored. But we know to get to that victory, there's usually a hard time before it. And so the mark of a true friend is pointing out the victory and celebrating it with you. That one reason I really love like our connect group and our Wednesday night class is because these are the, the arenas that we can sit together. We can share real life. We can pray for each other. And then we say, look it, there's a, there's transformation happening. There's a change in narrative happening just in the way that you're talking or just in the way you're responding or, you know, this situation, I think might've been in December in our connect group, we were all just talking one day and there was a season of time in our connect group that there was a lot of really hard stuff and November or December we're sitting there talking and I'm like, wait a minute, we need to rejoice because look at this answer to prayer and this answer to prayer and this answer to prayer. This is why we need community. We need community with our brothers and sisters. And so we do need ones who, who rejoice with us and declare the victory with us. Now let's look at verse 13. And that'll lead us to our next point. So the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me and seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and all, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. 
That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So from this section, we see that we need people who will speak the truth to us and ask us the hard questions. It's really nice to have people that we can talk to and share what we want. And it's good to have people that are going to share life victories with us. It's a little harder to allow people in who are going to speak the truth and ask us the hard question. And we don't like this because of one thing. We like to control our image. We like to control what we do. And when somebody comes and says the hard thing or questions something that we're doing, because obviously we wouldn't be doing it if we thought it was wrong, usually, right? (laughs) We don't choose to do wrong things generally. Um, And so when the hard questions come, we tend to resist it. And why is that? Because we really don't value the the hard truths that somebody might speak to us. And one thing the Lord taught me a long time ago was that if I really loved somebody, that I would take the risk of saying the hard thing because then it would help them to grow into Christ-likeness. And if we're surrounding ourselves in our circles with a community of believers then we can trust that if that brother or sister in Christ comes to us and says, you know, I think I need to, to share this with you, or as you're talking to say, you know what, I have to disagree with you on that, um, then we can trust that their heart is lined up with God's heart for us. And Proverbs 27, 6 says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And I have so come to appreciate this verse because when somebody comes to me and it's somebody that I truly love and respect that I have given permission to speak into my life and they come and they say something to me that's hard it may sting and it may feel uncomfortable and it may not feel great but I trust them I can trust the wound that is brought to me. And you might say, well, you know what? I don't, I have no problem speaking the truth and love to somebody. Good. How do you feel when somebody comes and speaks the truth to you? That's the harder part, right? And so this actually happened to me a few weeks ago. And I'm going to share the story with you. And I asked, I have permission to share this, but I'm not going to say who. Okay, Um, so a few weeks ago, this just happened this month, (laughs) Um, we had come to church, and um, actually it was the first Sunday of the year, come to church, and um, went through church, had connect group at my house, and honestly, um, I was in so much pain that day, and I was completely miserable, So probably none of you would know that because I don't say that. And when we got to my house, and this is just honest, so for the rest of our connect group that's here and don't know this, I'm sorry in advance. But the whole time I'm sitting, eating with our connect group, I'm thinking, I just need you to leave so I can go get in the bathtub. Because I had been taking ibuprofen and Tylenol, and I was miserable. 
And all I needed was like something to bring relief to my body. So connect group gets over. Everybody leaves, but three came back. And they're like, we're going to pray for you. And somebody said, you're in pain, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am. And so we all kind of sat and um, we started talking. And they prayed for me. And then they said, so why wouldn't you say something? And so I began to say, this is why. And they began to say, well, that's wrong thinking. And that's a wrong narrative. And it was actually pretty comical after the fact. <laughs> In those moments, it wasn't great um, because it really revealed to me that I had some wrong thinking and some really wrong narratives about community. And so was I, was I doing, did I withhold information on purpose? You know, no. But you know what, I probably could have said to my connect group, you know what, I'm really not, could you just pray for me? I'm not feeling well. Can you pray for me? But my pride didn't let me. Because back to the earlier point, I wanted to control my image. I want everybody to feel good when they're with me, and I want them to walk away feeling ministered to. It goes both ways. And so that interaction with three people has, in a few short weeks, changed the way that I am more honest when people ask me and acknowledging these are some of my limitations. And I feel like it was part of what the Lord is teaching me in this season of my life. And so we need, it's great to have the victories because these same three people will say to me, We'll have a conversation, and it'll be like, oh, praise the Lord. Like, that got put back in place today. Oh, look at this is what's happening. So they are friends that rejoice in the victories, but they're also friends that speak the truth. And this is part of a healthy community. James Bryan Smith, in one of his books, talks about, like, speaking the hard things. And this isn't part of my notes, but so correct me if I'm wrong here, but when, you, when you're sensing that you need to say something to, uh, to a friend, you need to ask yourself why first, because that's the only caveat in this point. If, you're, if your purpose in going and saying the hard thing to somebody is to correct them and, get, and vent your feeling, then you're wrong. If your purpose in saying it to the person is to say, I'm going to come alongside you, to help you, and I'm going to walk this out with you, then that lines up with the heart of God. The hard thing isn't said to make somebody feel shamed or guilted or less of somebody. The hard thing coming from somebody who is part of your community and part of your circle in a healthy way is somebody who's saying, I love you enough, I'm going to say this, but I'm not walking away. I'm standing with you, and I'm going to walk this out with you however I can help you. And so, so having, the hard, having people that you allow to say the hard things to you and not resisting it is a healthy part of community. Okay, and then the final thing that stands out, we're going to um, start in verse 24. 
says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way. So here's a quote I came across, and it says this, Our daily encounters with others are the areas in which our relationship with God becomes incarnate. We need wisdom to recognize what the Lord is revealing to us. When Jethro came to Moses, it was as if God was coming to Moses saying, here's a suggestion to you. God's God's direction became alive to Moses because of Jethro bringing it. Now, God could have revealed himself like he did all the previous times, but for whatever reason, he didn't. And we need to understand the same thing. God becomes incarnate in our relationships when we, when we speak truth to each other. Moses, this section shows Moses' humility. You know, it turns out that he did listen to his father-in-law's instruction. He did not get offended. He did not act defensively. And it doesn't say, but I'm assuming Moses sought the Lord, or that as Jethro was talking to him, that it just seemed right in his spirit, that yes, this is a very good way to move forward, because Moses probably was overwhelmed with all of the, between the good and the bad and the ugly. He probably was overwhelmed. And how many of you know when we feel overwhelmed, our responses are not always great? Right? But we don't see that in Moses. Moses did not respond defensively and like, who do you think you are? I am the one God chose to lead the children out. I've been the one hearing the complaining. And yes, I've seen God provide manna and quail and part the Red Sea and give us victories. But who do you think you are? You're just walking in. You have no idea. He didn't do that. But isn't that how we are? Who do you think you are? You have not lived my life. No. If we live in community, we are living life together. The circles of people that we put around us are people that see our interactions with each other, with the Lord, the way we're growing, the way we're changing. And in all of that, we then need wisdom to know what are we going to receive? What are we going to do when when those hard words come? We need each other. That's the bottom line. And you might say... Like, I don't even know where to start. I've been closed for so long to people that I don't know where to start. And all it takes is just one choice to start a conversation. A choice to, to, you know, hopefully whoever was here last week had the week to kind of think, like, who are my circles? Who do I trust? And to be able to go to another brother or sister in Christ and say, I'm closed. Or I'm, I'm like open this much, but I, I want to get better. I want to grow and be able to develop in the community that Christ has for me and not be my own little island. I want, I want to be a contributor, not only 
you know, to your life, but to others' lives. You know, there's opportunities within the church. You can come early Sunday morning and have some coffee and talk out in the cafe. You can come Wednesday nights. We have an adult Bible study and several other classes. Our announcements, you see there's lots of opportunities to rub shoulders with people and serving opportunities. The point is, we can't, I can't make a connection for you. I can't for, take your hand and say, oh, oh, Annette, well, I was going to say, here's Sam, your mom and, mom and daughter, but, you know, Annette, here's Leah, be a community. Like, we can't form, we can't do that. But if you first make the choice to say, I want to open up, I want a relationship. I want relationships where I can be vulnerable and transparent and celebrate victories and hear the hard and then take it to the Lord. Say, this is what I want. And then begin to take baby steps that direction. Then those things will grow. Um, That verse in Ecclesiastes 4 talks about Though one might be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands can't be, isn't broken. That's how it is in community. When we know that we have somebody in Christ, that, it, that we have their back and they have our back, it is powerful. It is powerful. And if you don't have it today, it is something to work toward. And to ask the Lord to provide. And so as we close, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I have a few questions I'm going to ask. And if you're somebody who likes to write stuff down, like you can go ahead and do that. We're going to put them up on a slide. And so if you, if you want these questions after the service, I'm happy to give them to you. But I'd like everybody to just close their eyes if they can. And I'm going to ask a question. And then I'm just going to be silent for a few seconds. The first question is this. Am I willing to be vulnerable and transparent in my circle? And if you're thinking on that one, like, I'm not sure. Today is a great time to ask the Lord to set you free and heal you from whatever is keeping you from wanting to experience what he has for you today. The second question is this. So who, who do I have in my circle that I can be vulnerable and transparent with? Who do I have in my circle that rejoices with me? Who do I have in my circle that speaks truth to me? Am I willing to accept the words of a true friend no matter how difficult they might be to hear? And who do I allow to be vulnerable and transparent with me? Who do I rejoice with and speak truth to? And am I willing to be this for someone else? And so now just a final question with everybody's eyes closed. Who in here wants to acknowledge the desire and the choice to grow in this area of community? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. What this is is 
a way of putting action to your decision to Christ to say, I want to move forward in this area and allow you, Holy Spirit, to bring transformation in this area of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Okay. And so, Father, we thank you for what your word teaches us. Lord, I thank you that the purpose of your word is to transform us into your likeness. And Father, we ask that today you would break down the walls that prevent us from fully experiencing all that you have for us in community. May we be for each other a way to see your heart of love and encouragement toward us. So Lord, set us free today to be a community of believers that you've created us to be and set us free as individuals to become who you have created us to be. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this place that raised their hands saying, I want to move forward in this area. Lord, would you begin to reveal by your Holy Spirit the people within their circles that they can be real with? Would you begin to heal wounds that cause those walls to be built? Would you bring forgiveness in relationships, Lord, that, that keep us from being able to trust others? We thank you for the power that is in the blood of Jesus that was shed for, Lord, so many things, but part of what that blood was shed for was the restoration of relationship with you. And so today, may that relationship we have with you just flow out of us to all those around us. And we trust you with that now, Lord.